The Gospel reading today comes from Matthew's Gospel, the third chapter, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. I'm a 20-year-old Jew. I've grown up inside the city of Jerusalem. I know the story of my people. I know all of our customs. I know all of our rituals. I know the laws. I memorized the majority of the Torah by the time I was eight years old. I've always done what my mother and my father have told me. May have been a few times I deviated from that, but I tried my best to behave. I keep the Sabbath every week. I do what I've been taught to do. There really is no separation of my daily life and church. The two are woven together to the point that I can't tell where one ends and the other begins. And to tell you the truth, I don't really want to. This is my life, and I like it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But one day, I heard about this guy. He was given a new teaching. It was an exciting teaching, but it was one that was very different. And I wondered to myself, is this the man that Isaiah told us about so many years ago? Is this the one who is to announce the coming of the Messiah? The one who is to lead us back to glory? I've heard that this man wears clothes made out of camel hair. He's got a long hair and a long matted beard. Seems as though he's got a coat of fur on his arms. When he's hungry, he eats locusts and wild honey. Nobody eats those bugs. I can't stand those things. It is rather amusing, though, that the bugs that once took food off of our tables have now become the food on his. He's dirty. He's wild. But he's got a new message, an exciting message. And I just had to go see it. I had to hear him. So I met up with this group of people and decided to follow the long line out of the city and down to the water. I had never seen anything like it. But I imagine this must have looked a lot like it did when God delivered us out of Egypt. People all around me talking about this guy, they kept calling him John. They said that he was calling for everyone to repent and to prepare the way of the Lord. So we got closer and closer to the river. I could see a huge crowd standing down by the water. It looked to me like they were entranced by something. And then I saw him. 
I saw the man they called John. He was standing out in the water. I could hear him calling for the people to step into the water and to be baptized, for them to repent of their sins and turn toward God. And as I got to the water, I saw a familiar face from the crowd step forward. He knelt down. He untied his sandals. He stood up and took off his outer cloak. And he stepped out into the water as if no one else were there watching. The man moved slowly toward John. The familiar face from the crowd, the one moving toward this dirty, wild man of God, was the face of my rabbi. He was the one who had taught me the story of my people. He was the one who taught me how to keep the Sabbath. What to eat, when to eat, when to go to temple, how to be at temple. This was the man who had passed on the faith to me, but this was also the man who had passed on the faith to so many others. And now we all watched as he went forward to confess his sins to John and to be baptized in the Jordan. And as the water flowed through the rabbi's hair down his body, I heard people coming down the hill behind me and I turned around and I saw some of our leaders moving quickly toward the crowd caused such a disturbance that most of the crowd spread apart like the waters of old in Egypt. The Pharisees and the Sadducees rushed to the edge of the Jordan. John saw them, cried out to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't presume to say to yourselves that Abraham's our father. These stones all around you. God can make those children of Abraham if He wants. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Our mouths fell open. Our eyes got big. Some of the people by the water looked furious. Others looked excited. But we all looked surprised. None of us could believe John had spoken to the leaders that way. Nobody does that. See, I didn't really know how to feel. These were the men who I had always looked up to. They were the highest of the high. What they said was law. They upheld the law. They were the ones whom God had chosen to protect our faith. Could John be right? What if they aren't so perfect? What if they hadn't been able to keep the laws and the rights that they had vowed to uphold? What does that mean for all the rest of us standing down by the river? If they can't do it, these men who are the holiest of us all, these men who have devoted every second of every day to living lives that are in accordance with the Torah, how can I be good enough for this baptism? Will the coming Messiah care about me? Or will He pass right by me and pay more attention to those who have been more faithful in keeping the commandments? What chance does a lowly sinner like me have if these Pharisees and Sadducees aren't worthy enough? With all of these questions swirling around in my head, I started to shut down. I started to get that sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. My world came crashing down around me. Everything I knew was shifting. Maybe all of the teachings and the laws weren't the most important thing. Then I turned back to John. And I remembered my rabbi. These Pharisees and Sadducees were in charge of protecting our customs. They knew what to do and they knew how to do it. But my rabbi, he not only knew what to do, 
He lived these laws more faithfully than anybody I'd ever seen in my life. I'd never seen or heard of him failing in his faith. Why would he need to be baptized? He's one of the good guys. But like most things that the rabbi had taught me, I didn't understand it until I joined him in the water. Without even understanding why, my feet started moving closer and closer to the edge. The water slowly ebbed and flowed over my feet. It was cool, refreshing, like no other water I'd ever felt. I began to step in deeper and deeper. I felt weightless. I kept moving toward John like nobody else was around me and watching. As I got to John, he cupped his hands together. He reached down into the water and he put his hands over my head. And when he pulled his hands apart, I felt God's grace flow all over me. My whole life, I'd been wrapped up in the law, keeping this tradition, keeping that ritual. It was my way of connecting to God. But in this moment, when the water flowed over me, I understood what Rabbi already knew. This baptism is God claiming me, washing away the guilt, washing away the shame of not being perfect, cleansing me of all of the ways that I've fallen short. This is God wrapping His arms around me and saying, you're my child. I love you. How many of you have ever read this story from Matthew, which sounds like a vicious attack by John on these Pharisees as a story of love and forgiveness? John wasn't just talking to the Jewish leaders when he addressed them. He was talking to everyone standing down by the river, but he was also talking to you and to me. We've, all, we've been baptized, and if you haven't, listen closely. Because this is what baptism means. When you and I were baptized, a decision was made. Some of us made that decision, others had it made for us. But in baptism, God decides that we're worthy of His grace. We are worthy to be claimed by Him as beloved children. This isn't because of anything we've done. This isn't because of the family that we've been born into. This isn't because of the money we have or the status we have in society. This isn't because of anything we can do. This is because God's grace is available to everyone who wants it. It's a grace that enables us to live into God's calling in our lives. It gives us the strength to begin ordering our wills and desires toward those of God. Baptism isn't about condemnation. It's about setting us free to be inextricably bound to God's will. It sets us free to be able to make choices and follow through with actions that reflect the grace and mercy that God has shown to each of us and continues to show to us. The interesting thing about what John tells these leaders is that he isn't condemning them. He's inviting them. He's inviting them to step out into the water and be claimed by God in a way that they have not yet known. A lot of times we assume that these Pharisees were always bad people who were always trying to go against God. Maybe they didn't get it right all of the time, but these were people who made it their very desire in life to uphold the law which had been passed down from generation to generation since the days of Moses. They did what they had been taught to do, and they did it well. The only problem with this is that they were missing the big picture of what the law was intended to do. Bring the people closer to God. John isn't telling the leaders that they've been doing a bad job of following the law. 
He's telling them that they're missing the point. And by inviting them to repent and come out into the river, he's telling them that once they let the water flow over them, they will never be the same. They will be changed. They will be transformed. And they will live lives that prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John is inviting them into the river, into a new life. John's also inviting you and I into the river, into a new life. He's inviting us to prepare the way of the Lord because Jesus is coming. Maybe you've already been baptized, but you don't really know what that means. Maybe you look around at others who have influenced you greatly in your faith. Those who have taught you Sunday school. Those who have led you in youth. Those who may be close friends or family who have passed on the faith to you. And you see them fail in their faith from time to time. You think to yourself, if they can't get it right, What chance do I have? You have every chance in the world. You're worthy of love. You're worthy of God's grace. You're worthy of being called a child of God because He made you and He loves you. You see, at some point, those keepers of the faith, the ones who have passed on the faith to you, the ones who have taught you how to do things, when to do things, why you do things, they decided to step out into the river and be claimed by God even if their faith appeared to be in much better shape than yours, they knew there was a baptism that needed to be embraced. And so they did. Despite how perfect they may look in your eyes, they knew they needed God. We're all in that position. Our rabbi, our teacher, our savior, saw a need to step out into the water. He walked out into that Jordan, step by step, As if nobody else were watching. And he put on his baptism and he wore it while he healed the sick. He wore it while he ate in the homes of sinners. He wore it while he cast out demons and taught in the synagogues. He wore it all the way to the cross. That's what John's telling us to do. He's not saying that we have to be perfect to accept God's grace. He is saying that the grace that God gives us is so that we can keep moving on to Christian perfection. Becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, the one we serve. This time of year, even if we step into the river in the past, we find ourselves coming back to it. We go back to the edge of the Jordan so that we can hear the message of John the baptizer. Repent. We've got work to do. But don't stop there. Let's go do some good. We aren't being told to be perfect. We are being told that we need to be moving in that direction. This is a plea to go do something. We can't be still and be doing good. When we come out of the river, we're coming out of that river with clean hearts. We're coming out with clean minds. We're coming out with clean ears and with clean hands. When we come out of the river, we come out ready to build the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming. He's coming as King, as Lord of all that's been created. We serve a mighty King. He doesn't require us to serve Him in the manner that other kings do. See, to serve Jesus means we serve the poor. We befriend the lonely. We care for those who are sick. We give a voice to those who've never been able to be heard. We feed the hungry. If we're going to prepare the way of the Lord, we've got a lot of evil in this world to clean up. If the King of all creation is coming, we have to keep making His paths straight. 
Because there are a lot out there that are still crooked. What are we doing to right the wrongs of society? What are we doing to ease the pains of others? What are we doing to live into our baptisms? That grace that God gives to us isn't for us to keep. It's a grace that's meant to be shared with others. And just as God gives it to you and to me freely, He expects us to give it away to others just the same. We find ourselves standing by the river once more. It's an old river. It's a familiar river. It's a river that causes us to think about those who have stepped in before us. It's a river that causes us to praise God for those who will step in long after we're gone. But most of all, this is a river that reminds us that God has claimed us as His beloved children. And it fills us with all of the peace and love that we can stand. But it also prompts us to go and to do. And to tell our story of what God has done in our lives. When you leave here today, take a look around you. Look around at the edge of the river. See if you notice anyone standing there ready to step into a new and exciting life of faith. If you do, take them by the hand. Lead them to God. Show them the way. Show them God's love. Amen.